Okay, thank you so much. And uh, turn me back. Uh, turn with me back to First Timothy, uh, chapter five. We're going. We're getting down toward the end of this, and we stopped off kind of mid verse last time. I'm going to pick back up with that a little bit. But the study number for today's tape is uh, study 152 in our study of wisdom and dealing with the uh, dealing with the companion Bible and Jack Eberly's workman's interlinear and we're still dealing with uh, what Paul is telling Timothy uh, concerning uh, uh, the elders and, and what they're position is in the assemblies to uh, get this out and also to Timothy and what his job has been and and actually what it will be or what it will become because it looks like here Timothy's going to get a load uh, of, of this understanding as uh Paul understands that he's not going to be around very much longer, and so we're we're getting down to the cases here somewhat. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to read 21 again, verse 21 in chapter five. We'll start there, and we got four or five verses to go here before we get away from the elders and get down to servants. And there's only a couple of verses in chapter 6 that deals with that. But we're still dealing with, uh, you know, these elders that uh, have families, like we have families. And a lot of times these, these people will be in an assembly or a group and may not take part in the teaching of that group. And then some do. And uh, I think Timothy has seen this. And when you think back to the Old Testament Scriptures, you're looking at when God dealt with a man concerning what he wanted that man to do for his ministry and for his work and become a prophet, uh, those people didn't fare very well in their lifetime because, you know, if you don't like the things you're hearing, you kind of sometimes take it out on the one that's delivering the message, not the one that gave the message, but the one that's delivering the message. And and I don't think Timothy was as, uh, maybe not as well, is as we might think a, a younger person uh, should be, because it talks about infirmities here. And I think we all got infirmities, but some of us have more infirmities than others. And nobody better than Paul knew this. And when he looked at Timothy, he realized that. We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight, too. But here in verse 21 of First Timothy, Oh, by the way, this day is uh, 
a special day of mine, and I wanted to bring it before you for just a minute before we get started. Uh, this was mine and Bobby Ann's would have been our sixth, 65th wedding anniversary had she lived, but she's been dead five years and three months today. And uh, so we live, we said our vows 65 years ago today, and so I had her for 59 years and nine months. And, uh, and then she has been, uh, passed away for five years and three months. And so today was, would have been our anniversary. We took our vows today. We were married at Wolf State Baptist Church, August the 24th, 1957. By a man that was pastor out there, and his name was the Reverend V.W. Prince. And I'll just tell you this. Not many of us are able to take our vows before a prince. <laughs> but that was something that was a little unusual. But Mr. Prince was also a preacher, and I'll call him Mr. because he wasn't my minister as long as he was there because I wasn't a believer, but he was Anne's. And so, therefore, uh, when we uh, took our vows, and it was an unusual service, to say the least, but uh, I, think it, I think she and I were kind of unusual people. And I know we were unusual in the in the situation that uh, we had been chosen for something that we yet didn't know, and then uh, and and then we were given our family, you, you know, and and the Lord had picked her for me. I know that, and I couldn't have gotten a better one than I got. Uh, even with all our infirmities, we, we still, uh, used to the best of our knowledge and ability, uh, since, especially on my part, since July of 1971, to be and to do the things that the Lord would have me to do. And I thank Him every day, all the time, for what he has allowed me to do and to be here as long as I've been here. And, uh, you know, he, uh, our life is kind of like, we're given life and it's kind of like a checkbook. And we draw our breath several times a minute. And that breath is like checks out of a checkbook. And as long as we have checks left in our checkbook, then we're here. Because He is the giver of life. 
And if you don't have breath, you don't have life. Same way with blood. Blood and breath together, you know, is, is the situation that makes this little pile of dust that I was made out of and others are made out of that we're energized through what God gives us. And we never need to forget that. That what He gives us, if any part of that is taken away, the blood or the life, we're no longer here. And so we need to have hope to understand that we will have life again, but it won't be like the life that we have now because we will not be dust anymore. We will be made of the Spirit like Christ was. Oh, Lord, I thank Him for that every day. Amen. Okay, 21, 1 Timothy. I just wanted to tell you that because... To me, that's been an important thing in my life because uh, without Bobby Ann, it's, it's, you know, it, it's a kind of a struggle. But yet, but yet, I still thank the Lord for what he's given me and will as long as I am able to live. 21 says, I charge thee. Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels, that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. Now, I read that before. We talked about it a little bit, but I didn't get into Jack's uh, book with it. And I'm not sure that I read you what I wrote. But here I'm going to read you now what my notes, and I'm then we'll get into Jackson. We'll start there and go as far as we can. Again, because I don't know that God's given me a timetable, so we we're just going to do what we can do when we can have the ability to do it. So it says in 21 in my notes, I charge thee. Or I earnestly testify before or in the presence of God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect or the chosen angels or they are called messengers that thou or you, Timothy, observe that you see and guard these things without or apart from preferring one before another. Because with that, you can become prejudiced by doing nothing according to inclinations. And that is called partiality. And then Jack, he gave us some in his notes, and we got three or four places that we need to go to to look at the Scripture. But in 21... To bring it down from the Koine Greek, it says this, I earnestly testify in presence of the God in Christ Jesus 
and the elect messengers that these things you should keep apart from prejudice, nothing doing according to inclinations toward. And then bringing it down, back down to basically to uh, King James Version or a, a more modern version of the English, I guess. It says, I earnestly testify in the presence of God in Christ Jesus and the elect messengers that these things you should keep apart from prejudice, doing nothing according to inclinations. And then this is Jack's notes. Jack says, The opening judgment hall is in the presence of God, Christ Jesus, and the elect messengers. These are angels in their offices as messengers of God. That is, they are God's errand runners. The judgments which are necessary to be made must not be made with any prejudice bias. Furthermore, the judgments must be made with full thought and not be subject to whims of prior personal inclinations. To be involved in this sort of judgment is difficult and extremely serious business. It must not be taken lightly. Only men of great scriptural depth and wisdom must be allowed to participate. Now that's what Jack had wrote and left for us to look at. And there's four places that we want to go back and, and look at the Scripture here. And then we'll be done with that verse of Scripture uh, for this uh, particular period of the moment that we're in. So let's go back and look at Deuteronomy 1 again. Because, you know, we're, we're dealing with uh, the law basically. In uh, Deuteronomy 1.17, we get a lot of our laws from from what has been written in God's Word, and that is probably better than a lot of the stuff that we get from man in this day and age, for sure. And so we're going to look at Deuteronomy 1.17. If you've got a companion Bible, it's on 238. And it says this, Ye shall not respect persons in judgment, but ye shall hear the small as well as the great. Ye shall not be afraid of the face of the man. For the judgment is God's. Full stop. And the cause that is too hard for you, bring it unto me, and I will hear it. And I command you at that time all the things which you should do. And so, here it is in Deuteronomy as to how all this come about. And, you know, we find that a lot of times that Paul writes something and he'll quote Scripture and he'll say, and it says in the Scripture, or it's written 
in the Scripture or in the Word of God, yea, in the, in the, the different situations that we're involved in. And here, it's when the elder uh, is speaking in a congregation or an assembly, uh, and he starts with something that's out of order or not right concerning the, the assembly of the rest of the people, then there is a way to take care of it, but you don't do it one man's word against another man's word. We've already been through that. But by two or three, or if it's a real important matter or a real thing that it needs to be heard before men with uh, scriptural knowledge and authority. And so, you know, we need to be careful about uh, dealing with that because this is this is God's word and God's work uh, and this thing. And then I want to go from there to Acts. We're going to go to two places in Acts. We're going to go to Acts 10. So go with me to Acts 10. And uh, let me see if I can get here. Uh, let's see, Acts 10.22. Got to go back one more page. Yeah. Acts 10, you know, is when Peter got the word and he was shown from the housetop uh, when he was in Joppa, I believe, wherever he was at there. Uh, that uh, God was was changing the Israelites' uh, menu a little bit. And he showed him a, a sheet. It says in 11, saw the heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet. Knit on the four corners and it had all kinds of manners of four-footed beasts and stuff in there. And the voice spoke to Peter. He says, kill and eat. And Peter said, no, nah, no, nah, I've never done that, Lord. And, uh, and so, come to find out, uh, there was people that had been sent there by a centurion, Cornelius. And uh, so Paul went down there, and this is where this uh, this is where this uh, verse twenty two comes from. Paul went down with the men. That's twenty one, which were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, "Behold, I am he who you seek. What is the cause whereof you are come?" And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by the holy angel to send for thee into his house 
and to hear words of thee. And called he them in, and lodged them. And on the morrow Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And in the morrow they entered into Caesarea. And Cornelius waited for them, and he had called together all his kinsmen and near friends. And when Peter came in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. And Paul says, Stand up, man. I'm a man like you are. And so, Cornelius understood that Paul had a message to deliver to him and to his friends and to his kinfolk. And this helped Paul to understand a little bit about what he had seen the day before when the sheet had come down. Or Peter. Peter. I'm sorry. Peter. Yeah. And uh, and so, <clears throat> you know, when you get these understandings, sometimes if it's something that's brand new and different, you know, you don't have the full understanding of these things. And it took Peter, I guess, a little while to to uh, adjust to that sort of thing because what he was hearing didn't jive with what he had actually been doing. And then uh, we're going to go down. Well, we did go down to verse uh, 23 where he lodged there. And that was the uh, other verse of Scripture that uh, needed to be looked at in, in 16 and uh, Acts 10. Okay, now there is one more place that we need to look at with this verse of Scripture, and that's Second uh, Timothy 2. In 2 Timothy 2, we're going to look at verses 11 through 14. And, uh, and this is on page uh, 1811. 11 through 14. And as I said before, oftentimes that when we get through with 1 Timothy, if we think about it, and go back, you can almost see that you're almost done with Second Timothy too, because it it falls in together. And Paul says in, in to Timothy in two eleven, it is a faithful saying. For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Of these things put them into remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but the, to the subverting of the hearers. And, uh, and that's what uh, Paul wanted Timothy to understand here in 11 through 14. 
And, and you see there in 11 where it says, it is a faithful saying. Well, see, they were still dealing with, at times, with the Jewish people that had not come over to this understanding or come over to the mystery truth. But when you start out with something like that, or the Scripture saith, or it is a faithful saying, then that takes a lot of the argument out of the situation. The argument then is, is there's nothing to contend with when that's said, because there's there's two ways that these people looked at things. They looked at the Scripture, and if it was in Scripture, they didn't have much to say about it. But if somebody's just standing there making a statement, then that statement could be construed any way they wanted to look at it. And so this is the reason why a lot of times all of this Scripture is is given to begin with, and then Paul is going to turn around and make another statement that was not in was not in scripture written scripture at that time. And so this is this is another way of of getting around arguments and and things like that concerning what the word said or what the law said concerning the word. Okay. So we've gotten through that verse twenty one, so let's go to verse Let's go to verse 22. Okay, back to back to 1 Timothy 5 again. And look at 22. And this is really where we should have started, but uh, I wanted to bring, bring all that up again. And it says this, Lay hands suddenly on no man. Neither be partaker of other man's sins. Keep thyself pure. So, uh, this is a, a, a point that kind of gets personal a little bit with Timothy and Paul. And Timothy is telling, I mean, Paul is telling Timothy, uh, Lay hands suddenly on no man. Do not have issues akin to being a brawler. You know, if you hear something that you understand to be not truthful or not right uh, from a person, then you neither need to be a partaker or become involved in an unbeliever's sinful matter. Because, you know, if you're going to fight about it, you're not going to gain anything from it. So it's, it's, it's not needful that we, uh, have arguments to come to blows concerning scripture. That's nothing about that is scriptural. That's not God-like in any way. Okay. Uh, and don't get involved 
in in other men's <laughs> sinful ideas, sinful things. Uh, and he says to keep yourself pure. Keep thyself pure without involvement into matters of what is sin or what is not sin in concerning sin. Uh, and we have several places here that we want to look at, but let's look at what Jack said about it. And uh, as he always does, he, he brings it down from the Koine Greek, which I cannot understand. And it says this, Hands hastily on no one, lay upon neither, make common cause sin with other men's. Yourself pure keep. That don't get involved in things that a sinner cannot understand because his eyes and ears have been stopped up and he has been blinded and he can't see them. He has to come to the knowledge of truth in order to understand these things. Whether he has Abraham's blood or where he's covered by the blood of Christ. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell with him or in him, then it cannot be understood. He has to come to a point. He has to come to a point with with the, the creator of this world to make a vow and to say, I know you've paid for my sins, and now I believe it, and now I'm going to abide by that, and I am at your pleasure to do your will. The sin question then has been answered. And so, therefore, you become a vessel of use to God or the Godhead. I learned that riding down the road in an old Ford car, old Falcon wagon. Eyes wide open going down the road, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't turn me loose. And I said, okay, I'm tired of fighting. I want to join. Whatever you have for me to do, I'll do. Going down the highway. And a few days later, we had a revival. Uh, and so I came forward and, and testified what had happened to me. And so I was accepted into the group. for a period of time and then they ousted me. <laughs> but that was the best that was the best day of my life, other than getting married. That was a different group too. Or getting saved. Yeah. But here we are, twenty two. So 
that's how I came about with with my situation. I know we all have our own ways of understanding there, but let's uh, let's look at what Jack said. Uh, don't get into fights and scrapes too quickly. Don't look for a fight. And the body member should not be too quickly in joining with unbelievers in common causes. These reference to other men's sins is not absolute. This does not assume that your interests or the projects outside the body are necessarily sinful. The idea is that joining yourself with unbelievers, no matter what the cause is, will raise your chances of becoming entangled in sinful matters. Keep pure. Keep focused. Here's a strong message in this verse of Scripture. Okay. And so you've got five or six places that we need to look at here in this verse of Scripture. And I want you to turn with me to start with back to Luke 11. Uh, we're not going to go all the way back to the book, books of the law. But in Luke 11, and I'm supposed to have it marked here. I hope I have. Yep. Luke 11, I'm going to read... Uh, uh, verses 34 through 36. 34 through 36. And it says this, The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when the eye is single, the whole body is also full of light. But when the eye is evil... Thy body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. And if thy whole body, therefore, be full of light, having no part dot, no part dark, the whole shall be full of light. And when the bright shining of a candle as when the bright shining of the candle doth give the light. So that's that's a point as to how the Spirit of God works in mankind. That we need to be a light that is not hidden. Because... We need to show the world that we have the light of Christ in our being. See, when Eve saw Satan in the garden, he had the fire of God within him, and his his outer covering was not like our outer covering was, and he was like a shining object. So we need to be careful about these things because we can be pulled around or drawn into something that we don't want to associate ourselves with 
And it needs to be a light shining thing that we're drawn to, not something of darkness. Because this is not what we're, this is not what we're here for, especially of understanding the, the word rightly divided. Okay, I want to go from there uh, to Second Corinthians. I want to go to Second Corinthians eleven. We went to Luke eleven. Now we're going to go to Second Corinthians eleven. Uh, and we're going to look at verses nine through ten. In Second Corinthians eleven, I'm going to look at nine through ten. And Paul says this to the Corinthians: In First and Second Corinthians are written for correction to these people as to what they were doing. And he says, uh, well, let's just go to 7. He says, Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you might be exalted because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely? I robbed other assemblies, taking wages from them to do you service. So, Paul understands he, he, he himself kind of got caught up in some of this stuff. And he says, And when I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man for that which was lacking to me. The brethren which came from Macedonia supplied in all things, and in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. As the truth of Christ is in me, no man shall stop me of this boasting in the region of Achaia. So, Paul was telling them, well, you know, I did, in in involvement, I I did uh, want to exalt you and to preach to you, and I did it in such a way that I I took some things that I had and used them for your service that maybe I shouldn't have. But nevertheless, it was all for the cause of Christ and what He, and what he was doing there to correct these people. Okay, now the next one, is in Ephesians 5. And uh, I'm going to look at 10 through 15 of Ephesians 5. And it says this. Well, let's start with 8, because it kind of folds into what we just talked about. It says, For ye sometimes, for ye were sometimes darkness, 
But now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove or convict them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doeth maketh manifest is light. And here's your kicker. Paul puts the kicker in there most times. Wherefore he said, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. And Christ shall give thee light. Okay. We want to go from there to the book of James. Uh And I have problems getting with James and Peter and John, but I'll get there. James, James 1. James 1, 17 through 20. And that's on page 1849 if you got a companion Bible. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. See, every good thing from God doesn't come with a dimmer switch. It is in full light. So it's pretty pretty um, reasonable to assume that if he um, detested something, in a previous dispensation, it probably hasn't grown to like it much in this dispensation either, right? Yeah, right. It says, On will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his, of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brother, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not righteousness of God. So lay apart all filthiness and superfluity, naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. So don't lay your hands hastily on anybody trying to get them to believe. That doesn't work. Okay. We want to go from from James, the first chapter of James, to first Peter one. And we're gonna look at verse three to seven. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his 
abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Gee. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last times. Wherein you greatly rejoice to now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations that the trial of your faith be much more precious than gold that perish, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. One more. First John 3. Well, maybe this is it. No, it wasn't that one. I went too far, I think. Well, I've got the 1873. Didn't go far enough. On page 1873, back to Peter. Here we go. 1 John 3, we're going to look at 3, 4, and 5. Then we'll have this verse. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifest to take away our sins and in him is no sins. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth has not seen him, neither know him. That's pretty plain. It's pretty plain the way it's it's laid out and the way it's put forth here by Jack and Melda that uh, he talks about the light and we're the light and need to be in the light. And we need not to get involved in these things like, well, if you don't believe me, let's fight about it. That's not the way it works. It's just not the way it is. How much time we got left, right? Uh, 9.22. Okay. Let's see what we got here in... Let's go back. I lost my. I lost my first Timothy here. Somewhere.
can't get I can't get through Thessalonians. <laughs> Guess why? Okay. I'm still turning pages, folks. First Timothy five twenty three. This is not a very long one, but I'd like to I'd like to get through it. Uh, because it seems like what it's telling us here is uh, not normally what you would see in Scripture. But there's a need for it. And Paul is telling Timothy this because Paul looks at Timothy as being not only someone that he led to Christ, but someone that was just like his own son. And he says this, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Oh, okay. Drink no longer water. Timothy, the places where you go or where you may be sent, Many of them have not purity of water. So therefore, use caution. Does that make sense to you? An older man telling a younger man, you know, to be careful about what you're drinking. And if the water's bad, use a little wine. Don't say use a lot of wine because that can get you into trouble too but rather use a little wine for thy stomach's sake. So evidently, he has a, uh, Timothy has a, has a stomach problem or, or gets... Or Paul sends him to these places to keep these people straight a lot of times for a period of time to where they understand if the assembly gets to be organized pretty good, then he... He sends word to get Timothy back because Timothy is always in a learning mode like we're in a learning mode. And uh, so as we read this, here it shows that Paul knew of Timothy's ailments more as a father rather than a teacher. And he used it with the words as if he was his own son, blood son, but he's not. Because he says, and thine often or frequent infirmities. They're often picture Timothy's. Well, well, they've frail been. and sickly. They've, yeah, they've been together a good long yeah. while. So they know each other's problems. Timothy knows Paul's problems. And Paul knows Timothy's problems, but yet, when one is away from the other, you still need to bring it up because it's another good point. We're after Acts twenty-eight. Yeah. And if um, 
if they could still heal, we wouldn't have to worry about it. Wouldn't be a, wouldn't it wouldn't be a deal. Wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. But now it is. Yeah. And so, uh, you, you know, you have the, you have the situations with that. One good indicator that the book of First Timothy to me is not a Acts period book. It's yeah. not a pre-Acts 28, 28 book. It's a, yeah. They come after the, the setting side of Israel. Yeah. Because there, there are some out, even within our own circles, that, that believe that it's an Acts period book. I decided it's yeah. not. No. Okay, I'm going to read. Uh, I'm going to read what Jack says about it, and uh, and and we'll probably do the we'll probably do the uh, looking of the scripture next time as we did with the other one tonight. But uh, if you go if you go to the Corne Greek, it says, "Be no longer drinker of water, but rather wine with." wine little use for the sake of the stomach and the frequent of your affirmities. So this phrase here, as it's written, is not intended to be a total prohibition of drinking of water. The water was not to be trusted for health nearly so much as it is today. The degree is is extremely important here. There is a great difference between much and little wine. You know, much wine is, you know, what it can do for you. But a little wine evidently can take care of the germs that you pick up in some of the water that's around in that part of the world. Okay. And uh, when I'm in China, I would much rather have a beer than a, yeah. drink water. <laughs> okay, yeah. I don't drink their water. This does not refute uh, where it says wine is a mocker. Obviously, for some people, a little wine cannot be swallowed without falling into a serious situation. <laughs> so, you see... Even with good intentions, there's always the problem there that the earth is still messed up with all of the sinfulness that's there, to, even to a point where sometimes you can't partake of what is there that you you might figure you can normally do without a problem. But that's... That's just not really so. And it's still that way in a lot of places. And I think you just mentioned that okay. in China. But I do not drink. That, uh, that's the first thing when they sit glass on the table there. And it's kind of warm water, too. Yeah. I mean, it's like lukewarm room temperature water. Yeah. Which is, I don't even do that here. <laughs> you yeah. guys can't take it. Right. So we, we'll stop there and, and we... We can pick that up uh, next time, but the fact is that uh, Paul is trying to get Timothy squared away to where, wherever the Lord sends him to in, in, in future times that uh, he would be prepared to understand these things.
as to himself and also how he should react with other people uh, concerning their uh, where they stand as to what they believe or don't believe and uh, to realize that uh, you know you have to deal with all these things because we're, we're not we're not in a place where uh, everything was like it was in the Garden of Eden. And so therefore, we have to do some adjusting and we need to do it according to the knowledge of what the Lord has left us with. No. And certainly the we don't know all things, but we we know enough to where maybe we can help ourselves a little bit and don't get involved in in things that uh, we shouldn't get involved in because even the best we can do sometimes the temptations are there. And, and that's what Satan does. He he puts these things in before you or around you that might cause you to swerve from going the right direction. And that's that's what Paul is trying to get get across, because Timothy has seen and he knows Scripture enough. To know that all these prophets are that that God chose, they come to an untimely death because the people kill the person carrying the message, but it didn't kill the message. And so that that's kind of where we are in our life in this day and age. We can we can stumble and bumble around, but we need to stay in the Word to know what the Word says about what, what we need to do and how we need to do it and how we need to act while we're doing it. Because our testimony is one of the greatest things we have now. Because you see, when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, it doesn't leave a scar. But it does leave an impression. And that impression could come from us every day to others to let them know that we know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in a personal way. And that we have been given the opportunity to express that if you want to hear it. And that's what our job is. That's what our calling is. So God bless each and every one of you that we might be found doing just that each and every day of our life, if we have that opportunity. Thank you for being with us tonight. God bless.